Welcome to another edition of Full Time Out with K Black and everybody, Uncle. Uh, round three, we're ready. We're gonna do a little preview. But first, what up, Unc? What up, what up, Kev? Hey, I'm good, man. You know, I'm good, relaxing. We got some uh, apologies. You know, <laughs> yeah, apologies yeah. to to a lot of people. Yeah. The city of Atlanta, Jermaine Dupree, Ludacris, Ti, Trey Young, Quavo, Danilo Gallinari, <laughs> Kevin <Right>. Turner. <laughs> The whole crew. The whole crew, man. Everyone involved with the Atlanta Hawks organization deserves an apology from the full-time out podcast. Because we, we buried that team. You know, we, we did, we did a, a funeral. We thought they were deceased. We said they're not going to win another game. They couldn't stop JoJo. They had no answer for JoJo. Trey Young was getting doubled. You know, other guys couldn't make plays. But everything flipped, man. Everything flipped. Before we, we go on with the apology. What's up? I said we thought your luck was going to run out. Exactly, right? <laughs> but basketball-wise, though, what, what, do you, what did you see that changed from the time we spoke and they were down 2-1 and felt like, you know what, this series is pretty much over, to now they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Milwaukee Bucks? You know, the, the biggest thing is, you know, when a bully is bullying a kid, you know what I'm saying? And that one time the kid decided to stand for himself, like the bully has that shook look in their eyes. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they came in, they made the shots and you know what I'm saying? Like they surprised obviously Sixers. So, but essentially we felt like, you know what? Sixers are going to come back. Georgia's going to be fine. And they're just going to dominate, you know, in a fashion way. Yeah. But the Hawks weren't going nowhere. Exactly. Like they were trash talking them, whatever. They was, it was like, listen, we still got a chance. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's like every day is like somebody else. Yeah, Trey was doing what Trey was doing, but it's like, all right, we got this one covered. Boom. And I think also one of the biggest things too, uh, shout out to Clint. You know what I mean? I think being the type of dude that he is, he was not quitting on JoJo. Like he was not letting him have his way. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, even when at times it looked like Jojo was dominated, it's just one charge here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, one block here, one deflect. And that's all you need when it comes to, like, when you're playing a guy like that. It's not about you're going to shut him down at four points or at ten points or whatever. It's those stops when it matters. Yeah. Being disruptive when it matters. And I think that, that, that was the biggest thing. And then obviously, you know, the the fact that Ben can't make free throws, you know what I mean? And now Ben is shook. Ben don't want to attack no more because he's scared to get fouled. Yeah. And he don't even want to go to the rim no more unless there's nobody in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just, it became a domino effect. You know what I mean? Instead of uh, Sixers being a high favorite, it became like, yo, like, it's anybody's game. Whenever yeah. it's anybody's game, listen, you just need somebody to wild out on game seven and that's it. Yeah, and I and I think another thing about you know the Hawks is, you know, they they were really going trying to shut down Trey, and they did it pretty well those game two and three that we talked about. But from game four, um, the other guys started to really figure it out and started to be like, you know what? And when we said you know they come at you with so much skill, well all those guys are not one-dimensional. And we right. stressed it last year in the playoffs. If you have a bunch of guys that can do a lot of things offensively, it's that much harder to completely shut you down. And yeah. once Luel started going and doing his thing, Gallinari started doing his thing, a bogey before he got injured did his thing in game four, um, Erder started doing his thing, and John Collins obviously made shots and did a bunch of other stuff, you know, uh, vertical spacing and all that. Right. Well, doubling Trey wasn't really an option anymore because those other guys could beat you. Right, right. And now you're sort of scrambling between, okay, um, when Trey gets that pick and roll, we just have to make sure we hedge quickly and not get that switch. But 
if you don't get to switch and 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 your coverage is poor, then Trey has a has an edge on you and can blow by and get to the rim. You know, right. if you switch, then you're probably switching with a guy that's a defensive liability in front of Trey, and then Trey can cook him. Right. And if you don't, and you still double, then yeah, they're gonna make you pay because those other guys can really make plays. Right. So at that point, it was sort of like uh, a chess match between those two teams where it's like, okay, what are we willing to give up? And when Atlanta had more solutions than the Sixers, that's where they, they had the edge, especially when it came down to those possession games where, and you mentioned Ben, it's like, well, if they're going to keep Ben out there, they're going to play four on five. But on our side, we're playing five on five. You know, right. we got everybody on the court that's a threat, you know, because if you're helping out on trade, then there's a lot for Clint. Uh, John can pop out and make shots, but can also dive to the rim and, and get those lobs. And then you have Gallo, right. you have Lou, you have Kevin that can all make plays off the dribble or catch and shoot. Right. You know, that's, so. You know what I, I would have I would have done in, in that situation after I realized it wasn't working? I would have tried yeah. to watch. Uh, trade average 40. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean? Like, if he's scoring 40 but nobody else is involved, then we're in business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, you need about 100 points to win. <laughs> exactly. You feel me? So, if he has 40 and everybody else ain't scoring, they're going to have about 70 points. Yep. And all you got to do is get to 100. Yep. You know what I mean? You know they're not really stopping you. You know what I mean? So, I don't know why they didn't look at that option. You know what I mean? Like, especially when he comes out of one of those games, you know what I'm saying, going crazy, you know what I mean, with the, with the assists. Like, he averaged, you know what I'm saying, a double-digit assist in the play. Yeah, he averaged 30 and 10 that series. That's bananas. It's crazy. Don't let him get 10. Exactly. Let him 40. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and the thing is, if you play good defense, he's going to be a volume shooter. Yeah. You know what I Especially mean? if you have Ben on him, because Ben Ben right. could pretty much guard him one on one. Exactly. You know, and then everybody else joined the party, and you know what I'm saying. Now you you're, you're lost. You're running around looking all crazy. Exactly. And, and, and you, you know what's the crazy part? They have three guys on the all defensive team. Two yeah. of them being guard wing ish defenders. Yep. Matisse and Ben, and they had JoJo on the back line. Guard him one on one. Yeah. And and look, we can sort of make a parallel here with um the clips, right? Right. Because the clips and we said it on the last pod, um we felt like them going small, switching around, forcing those teams to become sort of one man offenses, Dallas and Utah, where they were mm-hmm. like, you know what? Luca and Donovan are going to get their buckets. Right. But if we switch and we just let them go one-on-one and we don't necessarily help out on the shooters and don't let them get those kickouts and get those little dishes, mm-hmm. it's, up, it's at our advantage. Yeah. And, and it's the same thing that the Phoenix Suns did to Jokic. Play Jokic yeah. one-on-one. Don't let the other guys kill you. Right. But, but I feel like that's there's the problem and, and it's it's a little bit of a problem for doc i guess because he wants to shut down everybody we're going right. to make trey young look bad and we're going to also try to shut down all those other guys on the court but it's almost impossible in today's game you have to give up something right and if the thing you're giving up is well the others while well, the others can really cook you because the others are not sort of one-dimensional guys compared to the guys that you have on your team. Because right. the thing that, that the, the Ox did is basically, okay, well, let Joel and Clint go toe-to-toe. And Joel sort of has to become that creator, and he has to start 15 feet from the basket and be their offense. And by yeah. the time the game goes on, he sort of wears down, wears down, wears down. And by the end of the game, we have an edge because – all their guys, I mean, obviously, Set is a really skilled guy. He's not one-dimensional, but at the same time, on the other end, he gets targeted defensively. 
Um, exactly. Tobias is not the best guy putting on the deck and creating for others. So he sort of becomes, you know, it's, it's kind of easy to figure him out at the end of games. Ben, we know about Ben. Matisse, same thing. They really can't shoot. So it becomes sort of a challenge of, okay, what are our options if we can't stop them consistently on that end, but we can't actually score on them because we have so many deficiencies on, on the offensive end. Right. And I feel like that's the adjustment that, that the Clips made and sort of pretty much the difference between Ty Lue and, and Doc, right? Mm-hmm. Because last year, Doc wasn't willing to let Jokic become that scorer. And that's what cost him because he let Jokic be a scorer and be a playmaker. So Jamal was going off. Jokic was going off. Jeremy Grant was getting his buckets. Paul Millsap was doing his thing. Everyone on that roster was kind of doing their thing because they never made the adjustment of just making Jokic a bucket getter. That, that kills me because we called it early on. Like, I think he had asked me, like, how do you beat him? Like, do you just let Joker just be a straight-out scorer? Like, Joker is so passive that there's times, I think, game winners, he looked to pass the ball and he was wide open. That's how passive Joker can be sometimes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he is going to score, but it has to be, like, the last option for him to score. If he can have 30 assists, he's going to go for 30 assists. So how you let him not only cook you, but also start picking you apart, man, that, you're giving the best of both worlds right there, and it's, like, it's an impossible puzzle to solve. Yeah. No, exactly. So I, I feel like that series, and we talked about Doc a lot last year in the playoffs, uh, but a lot of people made, made it about uh, Ben and his inabilities offensively. But, you know, I felt like if there's no Ben or if you kind of – you just, you know, take Ben out, well, you lose that series in five because Trey is going off every single game. Right. You know, you don't have the capacity defensively to consistently guard on the perimeter without Ben. Right. And – it's on Doc's side to make sure that everyone on the roster is maximized. And you take advantage of the fact that they played sometimes Ben, uh, not Ben, but Trey and Lou Williams on the court. Right. And basically daring you to target those guys defensively. And they never did that. And it's like, well, are we watching the same thing where it's like they have two guys that are quote-unquote liabilities defensively and you're not even going at them the same way they were going at set. Right. You know, in that game five, they probably scored like 17 points on set in the fourth quarter. That's crazy, man. You know, it's like everybody was taking turns. Like, Lou was taking his time. He's doing his thing. Started that comeback. And then Trey came in, called for that pick and roll. They switched on it. He cooked set. And then at the end of the game, they had him on Gallo. And basically, it was Gallo doing his thing. And Gallo hit that game winner. It's mm. like. Why aren't you taking advantage of the same thing? They're giving you, like, you have two it's, guys. It seems the, like he has a, a hard time stepping out of the box in those times. Yeah. And, and, and I feel that that's the thing. It's like you have to be a little more creative because what Ty Lue did in that Utah series is basically targeting all the defensive li- li- liabilities. And a lot of people are going to point out Goldberg, but it wasn't necessarily all Rudy because they went heavily – at Jordan Clarkson in one-on-one situations. Like, Reggie was picking on Jordan. Like, he was like, okay, Clarkson's on me. I'm going to the rim every single time. They try to catch, um, what's his name, Donovan on a lot of pick and rolls because obviously he's hobbled, so he's not going to be the same guy defensively. So, PG was trying to post him up. Uh, Reggie was trying to go at him one-on-one. And then, in the end, it was all, well, Rudy was the guy that they were obviously picking apart because they're attacking from the right side. Rudy was coming in to help. Left corner was Terrence Mann that he was guarding. So he was willing to give up that, that pass and that three in the corner. And I give up the layup to Reggie or Paul, but that pass was always open. He, he didn't have time to come over to help. And boom, that was a three. That was a practice shot for all those guys. So, right. I mean, that, that's an adjustment that you have to make and figure out, well, if he's not going to hurt us, offensively or if he's going to hurt us offensively, we have to play him off the court. Yeah. And the thing is, the biggest thing too is once you get to the playoff, it's really a chess match between coaches. 
You know what I mean? Like, we all know what we can do. You know what I'm saying? You're going to try some things. It's going to work out. But it's really a chess match. Like, you move that piece, they move that piece. You move the other piece, they move the other piece. Yep. If you stick too much to your script and you're not trying to step out the box because you just saw something that was different from what you had originally planned, that's how you lose games like that. Exactly. Exactly. And the, the other part is I felt like um, his substitution patterns were – You know, often in the regular season, you can allow yourself to have four bench guys on the court at the same time. But right. come playoff time, you kind of have to go seven, eight deep max, you know? Right. And Doug, Doug kind of stuck to his guns where he's like, okay, well, I'm going to have Dwight, Maxi, Shake Milton, and, you know, whoever with Tobias on the court. And it's like, those are the lineups that Atlanta was taking advantage of, you know? Right. Like, The Hawks had more depth, and they could allow themselves to do that because they basically have two players at each position that can really play, you know? Right, right. You look at the roster, but the Sixers didn't have that, and they kind of played that same game where it's like, okay, well, the Hawks are playing the bench unit. We're playing our bench unit. But the quality of the bench bench unit is better than you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not the same. Gallinari is a bench player, but he was a starter last year's. You know, exactly. This guy is a 20-a-game guy in his career in the league. You know, it's like Lou Will is a legendary six-man. Right. <laughs> And it's like Kevin Erder, same thing. Like, not a legendary six-man, but he's a really good young player with a great overall skill set. He's six seven, can defend, can dribble, pass, and shoot. So now you're trying to go toe-to-toe with that bench unit and your bench unit, and it doesn't really make sense. So, Yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying Doc's necessarily the one to blame for that series. There's a lot of parts that didn't go well for Philly, but I feel like he could have maximized his squad a little more than he did. Because I felt like they had the better team. Of course. Without a question on paper, they they did. You know what I mean? Uh, But we're we're also not just completely blaming Doc. We, We picked it apart. You know what I'm saying? We went from Ben not doing what he's supposed to do You know what I'm saying? JoJo lacks. Um, the fact that the other team picked uh, Steph, you know what I'm saying? And not Steph set, you yeah. know what I mean? And and we got to the, to the coach, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the only thing we can't get to is, is the GM. <laughs> But, you know, realistically, hey. I think we, we, we spoke about everybody. I think, you know, that team, it's a solid roster. It may not be a perfect one. But it's a good enough hand for you to win with. You feel me? But, Especially going against a team that, but until the coaches change, they were not even making the playoff. That that's true. But I feel like, and look, they did a better job than they did last year uh, because last year they finished sixth, and with Ben out, they got swept out of the first round by by the Celtics. Is it, is it really a, a better job considering the fact that Ben was out? <laughs> No, but in terms of just the roster composition where, you know, they brought in set, traded set for uh, Josh Richardson, which was great for, for the offense. Mm-hmm. And we saw what set did for Dallas last year in terms of just making that offense more explosive. They had the best offense in the history of the league and versus what, you know, sort of the difference between him and Josh in those offenses. And then what set did for that team this year in terms of what he spacing out the court and, and being a threat at all times. So I think in terms of roster building, it was a slightly better job. But at the same time, look, they didn't have the shot created necessary for that team to be successful at the end of the right. day. Yeah. But even before they lost that series, I think I texted you. I was like, this team is not making it out of the East with that roster. Yeah. And it was in round one against Washington, and it was the game that Joel missed. I was like, yeah, this is not a good enough perimeter, you know, offense where guys on the perimeter are super limited. And if you don't – like, there are a couple things in the league that you need if you want to win a championship is solid principles defensively, guys that can create their shot at any moments, Mm -hmm. and – really good coaching and adjustments. Yeah. You know, aside of that, it's really like you're going to have a big that can catch lobs and whatever. But if you have those three things, generally you can make a run. And I feel like creating from the perimeter, they never had that. 
And no. Joel sort of had to be that guy. The turnover in Game 7 where Gallinari picked him, that was basically it. It's like he started yeah. off from the top of the key trying to attack a guy that's used to be guarding on the perimeter. Yeah. And he's trying to do, you know, one dribble, spin, and Gallinari just, you know, basically baited him into that move and poked him from behind, and that was a dunk, and that was game. Yeah. You know, so I feel like the roster was also an issue where you had limited options in terms of what you could put out there in order, you know, to be really effective. I mean, definitely, but I also feel like in this situation, like the roster is what you have, what you have. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's kind of like, you know, like you, you, you're playing a cards game and you get dealt a hand and you're like, man, if I, I, was, a, I was dealt a different hand, I would have done better. Yeah. You dealt with what you dealt with. And yeah. that's what coaching is. You look at your roster and you decide how you're going to move the pieces around. Yeah. And that's why, you know what I'm saying, I'm stopping it at, at, at GMs. You know what I mean? Like, you have that. And that's what you got to do with it. Now, maybe in the future, yes, we can, you know, we can do what we want to do if they get decide to get rid of Ben and whatever. And then next year, once again, you Doc comes in and we got rid of Ben. We brought in this. This is the card that you, the cards that you dealt with. And play it like it was the card that you wanted. You know what I mean? And from there, we we expect results. Yeah. No, that's true. And and that comes down to, you know, like you said, the card that you're dealt with, you have to maximize it. You know, you have to maximize the roster that you have and making sure that, you know, a situation like we had with Ben where in the end you can't even play him and he's sort of afraid to shoot it and he's sort of, he's afraid to take advantage of mismatches even. Right. Well, it, it can happen. And that's, that's really on, you know, the whole organization to, to figure that out. But, right. but shout out to the Atlanta Hawks, man. No, shout out to them for real. You know, shout out to Trey, you know, <laughs> honestly, I've been a doubt in terms of his ball IQ, but, um, you know, he's figured it out. And, And one thing, it's helped him tremendously to be with Nate McMillan, I feel like. Yeah. Because um, Nate's been a point guard in this league. Nate's been a really good PG. He was, you know, played for Seattle, uh, I think, you know, in the 80s. One of the biggest Game 7, they were playing Utah, uh, Houston in 87. And Houston had just won the West the year prior. And he had, like, zero points with 16 assists, and he beat Akeem on him. So that's a guy that's been accomplished, has been in big playoff moments, and he understands what it is to play a point guard position at that level and in, at that stage. Yeah. And understand how to read the game and how to get guys involved because, you know, a guy that can go with zero points and 16 assists is a guy that's super selfless and understands, you know, I need to get my guys involved and make sure that everybody eats. So yeah. and I think that's a component that maybe in terms of teaching that is brought to trade that's been very, very, very valuable. And, and, and honestly, with the skill set that Trey has, if he can understand the game at that level really, really well, I don't know. I feel like that, that Luca for Trey trade is not necessarily going to look as bad as it looked like three months ago. You know? No, definitely not. And I also feel like, listen, right now, it, it, you know what I mean? It doesn't because of the position that they're in, what they just accomplished. So right now, that whole conversation is out, even though I feel like Luke in that position could probably do the same thing, uh, you know, if not more. Uh, but I think right now, listen, winning, that's how people you validate, you know what I'm saying, your decision-making. And because yeah. right now they're in the final four, you know what I mean? Like, it's fair to say that, listen, you know, we didn't make a mistake. We got, we got our guy. But, but look, <laughs> it's easy to say right now it's not a mistake, but we, we have to admit that Luca is uh, on a different level as far as players. Oh, without a question. That's exactly what I said. I said, you know what I'm saying? Yes, when you look at the fact that they won, that's how they, they're going to feel. But I feel like Luca in that position can probably do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. We agree. We are definitely agree <laughs> yeah. because you have far more margin for error in terms of the roster that you build around. A thousand percent. Luka. 
you, you basically had to build the perfect roster around Trey for them to be this successful. Right. And they really did. They, they like, and we talked about it in some of the, 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 the Clint acquisition was formidable. We felt like that was a key piece for them uh, to have yeah. success. Obviously, the Gallo, we didn't know, understand any, initially know the dynamic offensive between Gallo and, and Trey, how that worked out. But that, that's worked out perfectly because, and we saw it in game seven, Trey understands. Like, he didn't have it going during the game. He let Gallo ride because he was the one that had the mismatch. Yeah. And then when it was time to really eat and finish off, he did it. Yeah. And that's how they, you know, that's how they won the, they ended up winning the game. But yeah, no, I think, look, he, he, he's special as well. Like Luca is really, really special, but Trey, Trey is special on, on his own. Yeah. No, Trey, Trey listen, he, he's building himself a, a career right now. You know what I mean? Like he, he's stepping up. A lot of, you know, the past few years, people forgot about him for because all he did was score but wasn't winning. Now he's, he's, he's figuring it, this whole thing out. Yeah, definitely figuring it out. On the biggest stage, it's beautiful to watch. That's the that, – exactly. Yeah, And I love – listen, I love to see the skills guys be successful. I think that's how the game is. You know what I mean? You know how I am when it comes to skill set and playing yeah. the right way. You know what I mean? Always, always love that for sure. No, exactly. It's like – you, you know how many hours those type of guys, you know, Trey, Trey is a small kid. You know, he's always been a small kid, uh, probably been doubted his whole life. Uh, you know, you have a father that's played in Big 12 that was all Big 12 guy. Um, and it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe not going to be as good as your dad. You might not get to the same level as your dad. And just like that kid is just a worker and he puts in work mm-hmm. and, he, and he goes out there and super tough. Um, yeah, man. It, it's it's nice to see those guys succeed because you understand the work that's been put in in order for him to get to that skill level. Right. Um, so let's let's go to the to the other side of the bracket with uh, mm-hmm. the Clips and, and, and the Jazz. We talked about it a little bit um, already. So do you have anything you want to add more about that series? Mm, um. I think probably might have to apologize to PG, but then again, do we actually have to apologize or this is what we've been waiting on him for? Yeah, we no. You know I, mean? I don't think we have to apologize to him. We never right. agree or anything. It's like, if you're getting paid that amount of money, if you call yourself playoff B, you have to perform. You have sales. to deliver it. Exactly. 100%. 100%. No, I don't, I don't have much to add to that series. Um, we kind of called it um, the fact that we, uh, you know, play by play. We said, if they – to impose their small ball on them, which is what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, the other coach on the other side going to have to take out Rudy. But the thing is, I understand the other coach not take. You are going to take out your defensive play of the year? You know what I'm saying? That is a gangster move, and he wasn't ready for it. But that was the right move to make. Take him out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they impose their will on you. You have no choice. You got to, you know what I mean, wave but- the white flag and be like, you know what? This, this, this test is over. Like, match up, do whatever you got to do. But don't sit there and just let that man, you know what I'm saying, go ham on you. He's, at the end of the day, he's an NBA player. He's going to make some shots. <laughs> he ain't got nothing to lose. Exactly. Going home. <laughs> Especially practice shots like that. But at the same time, if you take him out, then it becomes a battle of who has the best one-on-one guys. Like, Basically, the Clippers are going to be able to guard you better than you can guard them, and you're going to lose that battle every time, you know? A hundred percent. The only thing so is... It was kind of it, a lose-lose situation, right? Not really, because you knew what you was getting with Rudy. You don't know what you're going to get with the small ball situation. Okay, but let's say an, a, a hypothetical small ball situation for the Jazz. So right. you, you have... Um, Clarkson out there, obviously. Right. Game six, Conley was playing, so you probably have Mike. Yeah. Uh, you probably have Bogdanovich and yeah. Ingles, and then yeah. you have Don. Yeah. Those are your five guys. Yeah. Going against Reggie, PG, Terrence Mann, uh, Marcus, yeah. or Bev, whoever is shooting the ball better, and, and Batum as a small ball five. Yeah. 
I feel like it's pretty clear who has the advantage. They do. My only thing is, at the end of the day, offensively, you get to do more. You know what I mean? Like, Rudy, all he's giving you is layups. But and he's how, how, much, how, how, much, how much more are you doing, though? Because you, your whole offense is based on principle that Don is going to attack a mismatch. And Don right. is or, – or Jordan is going to be able to get in the pit. And obviously, Condi was also there, so he's, he, he's a maestro on a pick and roll, so probably attacks two guys and gets to the guys going. But you, you're, you're trying to attack a mismatch or an advantage in order to get into the paint and then start that kick, uh, drive, kick, swing, drive, kick, swing. And Rudy right. is sort of there to put pressure on the rim so that if guys start to drive, well – they kind of have that layup because the help doesn't want to come and give Rudy a little lot. Right. Right. So if you have, now you're playing five out. Right. And they're playing down straight up and they're not coming to help. Well, what's the advantage of, you know, not having Rudy where now there's no pressure on the rim and it's just like, well, yeah, we'll let Dom get his layups. The advantage is we can both exchange two for twos. Because the problem now is Rudy is such a – he's so programmed to block shots that every time he smells anybody touch the paint, he's yeah. trying to protect the rim, take yeah. down three. Now, yeah. if you match up and you do exactly what they're doing, you switch on everything, and they're breaking you down for layup, you can break them down for layup too if they're not going to help on Don. Mm. And we're going to do that until somebody follows their instincts and help for a kickout, and you got a wide-open three of a capable shooter. Yeah. This is Rudy – sitting there waiting for a layup again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can create diversion, like screen the screener, like so much action that you can do that the defense is going to crumble eventually and give up. And, and you're probably going to have more spacing, you know. And, exactly. And yeah, spread them out a little bit more. No, definitely. I, I, think, I think you're right on that point where they, they, they probably should have tried something else in that situation. Yeah. Definitely. No, definitely. And look – that's a, another situation where a coach kind of stuck to his script. It's like, you know, we're going to go down with what got us there and what got them there, what got them that regular season success was Rudy patrolling the paint. And they thought, you know what, Terrence Mann, we're not going to worry about him, but not going to worry about him gets you 39 in the game six. You feel me? You know, he's a, he's a basketball player. <laughs> you know, that guy you can play. Like, it ain't that complicated, man. Exactly. Like you said, practice shots. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Phoenix, Denver, I think, I think we kind of went through it last time. You know, we felt like yeah. that was a sweep. It was already over by the time that we, uh, we discussed it. But um, I, I, we're going to wait a little bit before we get to the, to the other series. I, I know we're trying to talk about it. But the West Finals between uh, Clippers and Phoenix – what do you anticipate in that one? Man, this is a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, because I think these two teams match up pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, the only thing is now, first of all, is Kawhi coming back and how is he going to look like? Yeah. And obviously when Chris Paul comes, we know what he's giving up. You know what I mean? Um, it's a tough one because the thing is we don't know what to expect for playoff P. <laughs> but it's been pretty good but, the last like five no, he's games. Been good, but he's been good because Kawhi hasn't been there. But even you know with Kawhi, so, like the, the two games when they were, it was 2-2, two, two. the two games in LA right. that they tied the series, Kawhi was there and Paul George played really well in those two games. Yeah, and, he, and we also know him to kind of disappear at times. That's my worry. What'd you say? We also know him to disappear at times. That's my worry. Definitely. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if Kawhi comes back. I, I did my job. Kawhi, take over. You know what I'm saying? Uh, because one thing, too, that I realized is I felt like the guys played a lot more free without Kawhi. But that can only take you so far. It took him through the Utah um, series. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it doesn't take you to a championship. Mm -hmm. you still need Kawhi and 
So that's what I'm worried about is when Kawhi comes back, does he take the back seat or he's still as aggressive like he was? But at the same time, look, who do you feel like is the best player in the series with Kawhi? The best player? Yeah. If Kawhi's out? Yeah. Little Kobe, man. D-Book. D-Book is a better player than Paul George? Yes, sir. You don't – so you, you don't think Paul George can outplay D-Book in this series? Consistently, I feel like D-Book does it. If D-Book is not scoring a lot of points, it's because he's facilitating for the team and he's just letting the flow of the game go. He trusts his teammates that much. But when his, name, when his number is called, he's in attendance and he's on time. Show <laughs> <laughs> <Feel> me? <laughs> yep, I definitely hear that. But I feel like in, in, in that game one, um, their coverage – It was kind of like I was dumbfounded by how they guarded uh, the pick and roll. And if, especially about not dumbfounded because they were playing, they played Boogie and Zubach a lot of minutes, so they had to, to drop down on those pick and rolls. But it's like when you drop down on guys like Book, well, those guys are laughing at you. They're like, come on, man. That reminds me of the story. I think who, who the hell was telling that story? I feel like it was a uh, Chuck. Yeah, he was like he was playing a game and he came back and he scored. And he looked at the coach like, "Hold up, you're not gonna double me?" He's like, "Nah, go ahead, get as many points as you want." Comes back again, and scores. Like, are you serious? You're not. I'm like, all right, he went for like 50. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, if 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 you drop down on D book, he's gonna get 40. He's going to kill you because yep. that's what he does. That's where he operates, on, on the mid-range. That's what he wants yep. to be at. That's where he lives. Exactly. Like, exactly. I feel like they should have, like, they experienced it with Donovan. They experienced it with Luca. I feel like that was probably the best training for Book in the Western Conference Finals. Right. Like, those are two guys that pretty much mimic what he does. Like, Mm-hmm. Don doesn't operate as well on, on the mid range, but Luca obviously does. And Don probably does what Book does on the three point line. So it's like you have the template, and it, the, that template worked. And you won two rounds down 0 2. You won pretty much four games straight uh, against Utah, three games straight against uh, what's their name? Dallas. And you want to come out here and sort of. Play, play like this again and play your big guys th- those many minutes and drop down on those pick and rolls and, and get your, you know, butt kicked by, by this kid. I mean, I feel like the answers are there for that team. And I feel like they have a better team th- than the Suns. I, you know what? I think they do. I think they do as well. It's just like you said, the Sun, the Sun, I'm not sure if you were the one that's saying it, but they play together the whole year. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like, and I think I heard somebody say they're, they're like an old school team. Everybody knows exactly what their role is. I was, I was telling you that the last time. I was, yeah. That's what I was telling the, the last time. They, they know exactly who they are. That is like the greatest thing you can have. Like I try to have the basic conversation with people and often they talk about, yeah, but they got this name and that name on the roster. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. You can have all the big names you want. If they don't gel and work well together, sometimes you better have having two big names and a bunch of guys that are more than happy to play their position. That is how you, you build a championship team. Exactly. Exactly. When everybody understands what their role is and what they're supposed to do in order for the team to be successful. Right. And they do it at an elite level. Exactly. And, and, You know what? And they've been doing it at an elite level, especially considering their their youth. You know, DeAndre Hayden. Exactly. I mean, he's become a man amongst boys. You know, oh, no, he he's been hoping. I gave him a shout out last time, man. He's been hoping. Man. He he's become incredible in, in this whole season. He's getting fed so. like a like a like a baby right now. <laughs> and and I think that may be a reason why Tyloo was sort of probably hesitant to go small because like, you know, that guy's going to dominate and we might not have an answer because look, one of the difference and DeAndre may not be as accomplished as a player compared to Rudy, but he's a more talented player. He has more. Yes, but no, nah, no, nah, I, I disagree with you. I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you finish that. If the template would have worked, 
like DeAndre and other dude and Rudy is basically the same thing. Yes, he's more talented, but as far as like the result, it's the same. He's getting they're both getting fed. No, no, I, I understand they're both getting fed, but in the sense that he's probably gonna hurt you a little more offensively than Rudy is. I, I agree, but it won't be enough for you not to decide to play the cousins and all those guys that essentially now you have to drop your 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 coverage as far as like coming off the pick and roll and now you letting Buddy go for 40 points. No, definitely should have went for 40. Yeah, no, and honestly, I agree. <laughs> Because I feel like <laughs> but I'm just saying maybe that was his top process in a sense that right. okay, maybe that kid is a little more talented and he could probably hurt us a little more than Rudy did. But to me, it's not. That's not the answer. Just stick to that script. Your wings are going to decide the series and your wings are going to be – your wings are going to take you to the championship. Exactly. You have your formula. This is how this team is built. It's essentially the Warriors playbook, those five yeah. finals appearances where it's like you have five guys on the court that can pass, dribble, and shoot, mm -hmm. and that's your advantage over anybody else in the league. And I feel like 100%. they're the team that have that, that has that. And yeah. they have to take full advantage of it because otherwise they're just playing in the other team's hands because it's like, well, no, we're, we're going to try out our bigs. You know, we're, we're going to experiment and everything. No, don't just do what, what works. Yeah. You know, and try, try to win with that, you know? Exactly. Like, I'm, man, I'm trying to, Make up no new stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, stick to the plan in this situation. <laughs> stick to it. <laughs> Definitely stick to it. Um, but who who do you think is winning this one? I think it all depends on uh, when Kawhi coming out, man. It depends on when Kawhi's coming out. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Kawhi comes out. The problem with Kawhi is, like I said, man, like, he he, he turns up defensively and offensively. He's the one guy that could probably just put that that, that big-ass hand on, on uh, what's his name, on D-Book's hip and be like, listen, you ain't going nowhere on me. I'm ready yep. to stop him. And then on the flip side, go to work on him. You know yep. what I mean? And he, he's also another guy that can check Chris Paul and give him problem too. So it's scary. Uh, it all depends how he comes back. If, if Kawhi ain't playing, Phoenix in the finals. Shout-outs to Chris Paul. You know, yeah. the first time in the finals. But if Kawhi playing um, Clippers, shut out to them first time in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, either or, it's going to be a first time for, for someone. Um, right. Yeah, no, and, and I think I think it's probably going distance. It will, it will. I don't know. I feel like this is this is a six-game, six seven-game series. Yeah, definitely. You know, Um. So, so let's move on to the actual another series that went seven games. And <laughs> this was a thriller, man. This, this was a hell of a, you know, some good basketball, I guess, that was played. How do you feel about right. that game seven? Um, it, man, it was, it was an amazing performance from, from KD, man. Um, Actually, talking about this is getting me tired because I've been debating so much about this this <laughs> game that I'm I'm just tired. But listen, a lot of people are out there, you know, what I'm saying criticizing KD. What I don't know when the last time I seen a guy getting picked up full court, borderline getting boxed in one, and still dropping 40 on you. Yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> If anybody's going to criticize what happened in those last three games, I don't think I ever want to have a discussion about basketball with you ever again. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that's why I'm drained, man. I'm drained because I'm like, I can't believe this. Because, you know what I mean? like, look, <laughs> and people are going to say we're biased, whatever it is, what it is. But what he did especially in that game five, because I, I felt like game seven was kind of poorly played in terms of execution by both teams. Um, and game five, obviously Milwaukee had some, some, you know, brain farts, but really? just KD himself, he essentially played all five positions on both ends of the court. Man. So Man. <laughs> you're asking a man to play five positions 
guard essentially the best, either the best perimeter player on the other team or the best guy inside. So he was guarding sometimes uh, Chris Middleton, sometimes yeah. Giannis, sometimes Drew, sometimes Brooke. Yeah. And on the other end, he's getting guarded by PJ, who has full of it. It was full of energy because he's not doing anything offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, you know, they're switching and, uh, and mismatching and figuring out, you know, giving him different looks with Drew and, and Chris. Obviously, he has to bring up the ball. Yeah. Create everything offensively for that, for those guys. Yeah. Um, he was the best rebounder and rim protector for that team. So he has to constantly be aware of where he is and help defense and help situation because he's, he's the backline of the defense. Right. And he's, he's putting up 50 on the other end. If that to you is not enough to consider him one of like those things that he was doing out there, some of the greatest basketball you've ever seen, and you still find a way to criticize what he did and saying it's not enough, then you probably didn't watch the same. And you, you just had your mind made up that if he's going to lose, then I'm going to criticize because of course. my favorite player of course. was criticized when he underperformed. Right. And to me, not winning a series when your under man is underperforming. Yeah, I mean, that's on you. And I'm not talking basketball with you again. <laughs> I'm right. sorry. I, I agree. I agree. That's the type of time I'm on right now. But, you know what I mean? Like I said, I, it was, listen, it was beautiful to see. Uh, but you know what else that I like, though? is on the other side with the Bucks. I like yeah. when Drew was hitting them shots, man. I was like, man, this is what we, this is what we play, yo. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because obviously KD doing what he's doing, but Drew was like, you know what I mean? Like, I got some of that in me too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, listen, like, we get no – and that's what Yanis needed. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. he, he's been struggling to get over the hump, but that's why they brought in Drew Holiday. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't playing well, and – just the, the right shots, you know what I'm saying? He made them. And listen, as much as it was hurting because it was hurting the uh, the Nets, I, I loved that because I was like, that's what the game is about, man. Like, that's what I want to see. Like, the best going at each other and, you know, being elite on the thing at an elite time. Yeah, going toe-to-toe. And, and honestly, Drew's so tough, man. I feel like that game seven, he wasn't getting any calls. He wasn't getting no love from the referees. Yeah. You know, those shots wasn't in. And he just stuck to it, man. And it's like, and look, he also has to do it on both hands of the court because right. the thing is a lot of people were, were sort of puzzled of why he defended Harden the way he defended him. But he was just trying to tire him out. Yeah. Because if Harden is hobbled, obviously, if you then tire him out because you're pressing him full court and he has to worry about you getting into him and getting into his shorts and – you know, picking his pockets, then that's that much more of a mental work. And, you know, those legs that already already hobbled, then they don't work for any shots. Exactly. You know, so Drew was doing that job on the defensive end, and then he was kind of the closer. And, you know, shout out to Chris Middleton, man, because, you know, sometimes I feel like people kind of underrate how nice of a ball player he is. Yeah. That, because as as much as Game Five was a masterpiece for KD, and it's a well, obviously, if it's a masterpiece for KD, it's a masterpiece all time, and it's one of the greatest performances we were going to see by somebody playing basketball. Yeah, Game Six by Middleton was his masterpiece. It was. It was. That Game Six was incredible basketball. Yeah, on his part, like he played perfectly. Five steals, five assists, thirty-eight. Hitting timely, timely shots after shots. He was, he was the best guy on the court. And you think about, you think about it like he was on the court with Harden, obviously hobbled Harden, but KD and Giannis, and for one forty-eight minute period, Chris Middleton was the best guy on the court, and he won that game for him, and that yep. saved their season. Yeah, hundred percent. And I felt I feel like that's all, all credit due to credit goes to him because if he doesn't have that performance, as much as they're at home, I feel like Brooklyn was gonna get it because KD was still on his, you know, I'm gonna shoot 50% and I'm gonna be efficient, I'm gonna give you 30 to 40 every single yeah. day, you know. Yeah, no, he 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 showed up. 
if he didn't match KD's energy, that was a wrap. Yeah, definitely. And and game seven again, same as Drew, where sort of the shots not going in. Bruce Brown playing really well, you know, tight defense and forcing him into tough shots. But man, that overtime, you know, game ceiling jumper was, you know, that was a show of toughness. Like yo, yeah. same guy that's made me struggle all game. I'm taking him to the hole and I'm. No, I'm icing this game on him. Yeah. And no, nah, those guys are tough. And I feel like they sort of won despite the offense that, <laughs> that they're given. And, yeah, no, definitely. And the structure that they're given because I feel like they don't necessarily have, you know, the best structure. Like, if the Nets were healthy, this series is over in four or five. Yeah. Yeah, if the nets are if the nets are healthy, I think they they they, they take it over. Like easily. I feel I, I feel like them going seven was sort of like it was almost snaffable because like, well, that's how much better KD is from everybody else in the league, basically. Yeah, I don't know if anybody else could have done that with their roster. You know, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, no, it's like it's because different. It, it, it was tough because guys are not. It's not like you got a bunch like. And that's what I hate. Like, I hate when people talk about this type of situation. Like, well, that person didn't have a good roster. Yeah, but they got capable shot makers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Bruce Brown, you know what I'm saying? No disrespect to him, but he's a six foot six or six or five, probably shorter than that. He's six three. He refuses to take an outside shot. You know what I'm saying? They're face guarding their best shooter. So, and he, he was shooting like he ain't never made a shot a day in his life. And then you got a bunch of other guys that can't really, you know what I'm saying? Some days they might make, some other days they're making nothing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, yeah, even when you find them, they're not making them. If they make them, it, it makes your life easier. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, it allows you to play one-on-one -on -one a lot more. Like we were talking about Trey and his situation where when they, he gets double and he gives to a, a good playmaker, a good shot maker, it makes your life so much easier because eventually the defense instincts will kick in to like yep. – They'll be scared to double team, even if their coach is yelling at them, double, double. Yep. They won't just because they're like, man, listen, that dude, every time I double, he's making a shot, so I'm not doing it. No, and, and the thing is, it's hard to get 40. And, and we talked about it, and we were saying it with, you know, Steph in the playing games where when you're scoring 40 and the other team's whole point is to stop you from getting 60, That's where it's impressive. Right. You know, Terrence Mann's 39, as great as he is, and it's incredible that he did that on the biggest stage of the playoffs. But the Utah Jazz were letting him get his buckets. Of course. No disrespect to him. but No disrespect about, to him, but... About over two, 300 guys in the league could have, <laughs> could have scored 40 on those attempts. Exactly. Well. But when the defense is sort of established to stop you from getting points and you average 40 over three games and you have two games where you basically get 50, then this is a different level of basketball that we're talking about. No, it's like, listen, like I, I watch him go and I had that funk massive flex stank face on some, some of the moves and the shot he was making. Like, come on, y'all like, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? Like, and I still feel like he's not even a hundred percent yet. I still feel like there's still, like, maybe a 15% to go. And, and, and you know what? I, I don't know if he's going to get it, if he's going to get there, because I feel like athletically he's not the same player because those plays in overtime where he drove the ball and got blocked twice by Brooke, I feel like that, say, three years ago, he goes up a little higher. That's fatigue, man. That's fatigue. I'm sorry. That, I think that was fatigue, but that was also just – The lift, I don't know if the lift is the same as it was before. It's not even so much the lift that I'm worried about when I say he's not 100%. It's the, the mental worry about injury. You think he's still worried about it? I think he, there's still a little bit there. Like he's, he's choosy on his approach on certain things, especially when he has to go on one leg uh, and they, he knows there's contact coming. He, he's, he's a slightly hesitant. Like, he's, like, a few seconds behind. And I think by playing, and it's a good thing, I'm happy that he's going to play for the U.S. team because it's going to get those rust off, and then he's, he's going to be all right after. 
Yeah. No, and and look, they're, they're hopefully they come back next year super healthy because they're playing at the highest level of basketball from any team yet in this this postseason. I mean, I think it was very obvious that the talent and the skill that they they put out there on on the court was not comparable to anyone else uh, in this year's playoffs. But but shout out to the Bucks, man. I mean, this is gonna be. You know, the, the Bud Bowl was the Atlanta Hawks against the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> you know, so the team that he took to the conference finals the last time and the team that he now is now taking again to the conference finals um, here. What, what do you have ahead for this series? Man, I feel like the Bucks are just going to overpower them. Um, I think they match up uh, pretty well, yeah. especially when they have Yanis. You know what I'm saying? Like playing the big. Like they're not afraid to do that at times. You know what I mean? And they don't have the body to stop Yanis. You can fill the, as many walls as you want. <laughs> But uh, you know what I mean? And and the good thing is they can they can make them from outside too. And like I said, I think having the guys like the Drew Holidays too that can close it, uh, the middle ten that can close it, it, it makes them a little different from the Sixers. Yeah, and 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 I think, you know, Giannis compared to Joe, I think Giannis is just more relentless. He is. He is. And Joe, Joe, Joe's like, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he, he'll pick his spots, you know what yeah. I mean? And then he'll just, you know what I mean? Trying to knock you out, but he's not throwing them in, in bunches. You know what I'm saying? Like rapid punches, like Giannis is, is trying to come out with. Exactly. And, and Giannis kind of keeps coming at you. Like first quarter, second quarter, fourth quarter, like he, he just goes and, punishes you at and you know one other thing I think people criticize Bud for not playing Giannis on KD but I gotta tell, say something like if you asking this guy that's putting so much pressure on the defense to also guard probably one of the top two scorers in the history of the league from the perimeter where when he's at his best helping out and and getting blocks from the weak side that you probably just play ball on fucking video games. <laughs> I agree, man. I agree. You know? I agree. Like, as I've been telling people, I'm like, why, why would you do that? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and another thing, too, like, let's be real. KD, he might be seven-footer, but he's a seven-foot guard. He's a guard. He's not a big man. Exactly. And as well as Giannis moves, he's a guard. Yeah. All right? So... Let's let's stop that all that stuff. Like you know, what I'm saying like I feel like people when sometimes when they, they they come up with those ideas, like they take one thing and they want to match it to another without realizing that context matters. Like you know, what I'm saying scenarios matters. Like situations matters. You know, what I'm saying like all of that matters when you try to build an argument for a situation like that. Yeah, and and look, one of the reasons KD had no juice in overtime was when Blake fouled out. He had to guard Giannis. Like, that right. was the ideal situation, but he had, and the physicality of that probably wore him out a lot more quickly than in game five, where, yeah, Blake was there and what's his name? Jeff was 100%, and they sort of had somebody else that could take Giannis on the other hand. And KD had to worry about, you know, helping out, getting rebounds, and then taking those shots, where right. in that game seven, You go, you take that pounding on chest from Giannis, you try to contain him, and then you have to take 20 footers to make to make it a game and, and get into the Eastern Conference Finals. Like people have to understand like this, like there's no like there's fatigue in this. It's like you can't turn the fatigue off and just have your best players go, you know, 48 minutes and this is what it is. Like those guys were gassed because they have so much load to take. And then when you add in the fact that, oh well, yeah, you, You, you have to guard the best player on the other team, too. Like, no. Yeah, come on, that's man. why no. the specialists are there. Like, that's why they exist. Exactly. They take exactly. a lesser load offensively, but you know what? They're going to do dirty work defensively. Yeah, no, it doesn't make sense. You know, so, no, Giannis, man, I'm proud of him, man, on the low, because, you know. Yeah. Like, he has the deficiencies, and we, we would like him to be a little more skilled offensively, but, man, that guy – He's competitive and, you know, he cares. Like, 
he has the same deficiencies as Ben, but mentally, I feel like he's so much tougher. He, he doesn't let those things rattle him to the point where he's not being aggressive anymore. Like, no, you're sure. not going to see Giannis be tentative about going to the basket because he's scared to be fouled. No, he's, he, if he's going down, he's going down swinging. Exactly. And I feel like maybe it's, it's just a thing where, in terms of player development, he didn't grow up as Ben, where Ben was probably dominant from the time that he picked up a basketball. He was bigger and faster than everybody else. And people were saying, well, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. And then you have that perception that if you don't do certain things, then you can't be great. Whereas Giannis, it sort of came as a surprise that he became this great. And right. now, he, you know, he feels like he has nothing to lose. He just plays. And, you know, he goes as hard as he can. And the results are going to take care of themselves. Right. You know, no, I, definitely. Uh, I also think, I think, like I said, when it comes to Ben, I feel like he's a prisoner of his own intelligence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I think, like you said, growing up, you play the right way, you know what I'm saying? Probably a point guard, you know what I'm saying? Very unselfish, and it's amazing. But you get to a point, you know what I mean? And guys like that, they don't want to take the shot because they, they know the percentage. They know their shooting percentage is lower than the guy next to him. So he'd rather try to find a guy next to him. But you yeah. get to a point where you got to realize that hey, teams are going to play you for you to make one or two. So unless you do that, this ain't high school, this ain't college, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to have to figure it out at the professional level. And we're talking about, like, the biggest stage. Of course they're going to dare you to shoot. And you got to snap out of it. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And, yeah, I, I, I think that's a factor also. He's probably a prisoner of his intelligence. But, um, yeah, for as far as Atlanta-Milwaukee, I feel like, yeah, probably Milwaukee in five. But you never know with this Atlanta team, man. Like Erder said after in this post-game conference, you know, they're so naive and they feel like they can beat anybody. So they might come out there, shoot 23s and surprise the Bucks in, in a few of those games and just win out, you know. Right. But but the Bucks should win it. I, I'm with you on that. I'm with yeah. you on that. All right. Um, anything else, man? No, sir, man. No, sir. Um, I'm excited to talk about the finals. You know, what I'm saying whoever uh, pops up, it's gonna be, it's gonna be dope to to see. Uh, I like, like I said, I I hope there's a lot of skill set in there, um, just because I think, you know, when guys who are very very polished are winning, I feel like it's it's always good for the basketball culture. Just because. yeah. You know, I mean, that's one thing anybody can just wake up and work on. It's your skill set. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I can't work on trying to be seven foot like, you know, Yanis. You know what I mean? I can't work on, you know what I'm saying, being as strong as, you know what I mean, Joel Embiid or whatever. But one thing I can work on is my jump shot, my passing ability, my finishing ability. You know what yeah. I mean? Watch tape for IQ to understand the game better. You know yeah. what I mean? All of it. No, definitely. And, and, and I think – Most of the time, I think um, it, it always comes down to probably that where, where the most skilled team often wins, especially in the last few years. Right. You know, um, where it's like, you know what? They had the guys that were the most unstoppable or that found the most solutions at the end of the day. So because right. they worked on those things, they had the least weaknesses compared to to other guys. So I feel like it, it's going to come down to that. And You know, I'm excited. I'm excited, even though it's kind of a weird, you know, playoffs because some of the teams that teams that we expected to be at the end and preseason, we both picked the Lakers and the Nets to to meet in the finals. And I still think health healthy; those were probably the two best teams. Yeah, but yeah, um, healthy. That's about what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. Healthy. I think I think that's that probably would have been the finals, but. You know, health is part of the game. And you know what? If we get the Suns against the Hawks, it's, it's going to be as fun as getting, you know, Brooklyn against uh, against the Lakers, I think. I mean, for, Definitely. for for drama purposes, I think everybody would have wanted to to have New York versus LA, Katie versus Braun, et cetera. But, man, if I can get Book against Trey Young going to the tournament finals, hey, so be it, you know? Definitely. This it, it's fun to have some new blood from time to time. For sure, for sure. I think it's especially young, young guys too. 
Yeah, no, young guys who hoop and, you know, play the right way and emulate, you know, the, the right guys. Exactly. Yeah. All right, man. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. Uh, let's talk soon. Yes, sir. Easy. <laughs>